When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. We've got our take cannons loaded and ready. ready. Absolutely dominant on deep routes. Absolutely dominant on short the routes. boys are back, baby. Excellent separation against man coverage. This is Reception Reception the Show. Yo, what's cracking, everybody? James Coe, Matt Harmon here with you, and you're listening to Reception Perception the Show. All right, Matt, uh, here we are. We are hurtling towards the start of the uh, brand new 2023 season. Uh, 32 Beat Writers is a great Twitter account that I think everyone should follow. Uh, that being mm-hmm. said, I had to turn off the notifications for 32 Beat Writers because my phone was just, I mean, with these training oh. camp videos and stuff coming out, now you're like, I, stop it. You know, I, I, I got I to gotta give my phone a rest, baby. Like, it's just too many updates. Yeah, 100% no shade to 32 Team Beat Writers. Great account. Great, great follow account. uh yep. they have a, they have a podcast follow. now you know they have a podcast now too that, that like people should check out I've, I've heard a couple of good interviews on there um i actually think a few of the folks that work uh on that account one of them at least one of them is in our discord too so oh, okay. definitely no sh- definitely no shade to 32 team beat writers what i'm about <laughs> to 32 beat writers what i'm about to say you got it james you got to be a little bit more judicious about who you're turning <laughs> what you're turning notifications on for um i have Right. Very few accounts turned on notifications. Like I, I have Schefter, and I think I still yep. have Pelissero because Rap Sheet is uh, he's a little fast and loose with what the what he's tweeting. Sometimes you know he'll he'll tweet about stuff that I'm not interested in. Uh, Pelissero, I think I had him on from like the COVID days because he was like cover he was covering the COVID stuff so uh, intense, yeah. and he's pretty biz he's pretty all business, you know, like yeah, yeah, so anything yeah, yeah. and and if if Rap Sheet's got a big one, he's gonna retweet it, you know what I'm saying? So right, um, right, right. I, I'm trying to just get the big big insiders, and then um, <laughs> I do have a notification turned on for like uh, Underdog does a great uh, job with like their alerts from their account. You know, like some newsy stuff because yeah, dude. I, I again, I love Elijah Moore, but I can't see my hundredth. You know, uh, thirty-two beat writers video about Elijah Moore like roasting guys in practice. I, uh, James, I'm, I'm already like I've already maxed out on uh, training camp videos. And look, yep. I get it. People have your fun with training camp highlights. It's cool to see athletes doing athletic shit and 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 yep. looking awesome. I get it, but like. Tell me one more time about how I'm wrong about a player based on like his, this, you know, five second route that he Gosh. ran in one on one against with like air. a triple, <laughs> a, 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 with a tr- on a triple move. Like yeah. also, by the way, yeah. like yeah. if you're if you're using a bunch of move, like double triple moves on on the one on one battles on seven on seven or, or just even the one on one like wide receiver cornerback or like God forbid like Bijan Robinson putting another dude in the in the spin cycle with the triple move against a linebacker like yeah he, yep. no kidding no kidding you're gonna win that route uh, <laughs> I just I can't do it anymore the only the only good thing to come out of training camp so far that I am right. adjusting that I'm adjusting my rankings on uh, my adjusting okay. my thoughts about a player. Um, Matt Collins from Atlanta Falcons camp. He said, okay. did you hear Did you see this quote? No. He said, no, no, no. What did he say? Quote, a direct quote. I, I don't like soft people. I don't even like people who eat with <laughs> utensils, eat with your hands. What? That's what they're what there for. <laughs> what uh so yeah what a quote not what i'm not quote. moving up wait hold i'm up, not dude. moving up elijah moore for it yeah oh yeah, yeah 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 i'm not up. moving What's up anybody up? for training camp hype videos but i'm i'm moving <laughs> matt collins up for that wait hold up dude. how does he eat spaghetti like what's going on here like 
how about what? like how about you, like how about like ramen? Like what's going like yeah. what's going on? What you mean? <laughs> are you are you eating this? What's going on? It's it's funny you mention that because his teammate <laughs> Kyle Pitts they asked him about that and he he literally said, I mean. You know, Max, great, all that, but like eating <laughs> spaghetti. He said eating spaghetti with your hands, that's kind of nasty. So Yeah, that's gross, bro. Come on, dude. What's going on here? Or how about like a nice how about like a nice ass steak? Dude, you gotta get the fork and knife out. What are we talking uh, about? You're gonna pick up the you're gonna pick up a sizzling steak with your hands and just just go to town? Like, I mean that's I guess. <laughs> you gotta go directly for the tomahawk. You know, grab the oh, bone. That, and just, okay. Just, yeah. Sure. A little paper towel around the bone and just go to work, I guess. What? What, a kind of, what kind of statement is that? I love it. Anyways, we got a great quote, actually, from Jim Mercer coming up. Uh, but I thought we might do a little – I know we talk all wide receivers here, but I thought we might do a little bit of a running back roundup very quickly here uh, to kind of kick off the show. Uh, and then I thought it would be good uh, and timely, now that training camps have officially begun, to kind of revisit – um, three rookies that I think are going to have, you know, pretty prominent roles, uh, non-obvious, uh, prominent roles. Okay. Like we know the JSNs and yeah. stuff of the, the Jordan Addison's of the world are going to get Addison, especially probably going to walk in a hundred targets for God's sakes. But anyways, but I'm talking like the Puka Nukua's, the Michael Wilson's Zay flowers to a degree as well. Uh, what, what, what roles are these guys going to have and, um, kind of revisiting, um, what Matt kind of put down on tape. Uh, and charting for those dudes. Um, so I thought it might be timely to revisit some of that. Um, and then we will talk about some double digit. Uh, we don't always do fantasy, but when we do fantasy, we, we, we like to talk about some sleepers. That's what we're going to do. Double digit uh, forgotten wide receivers uh, that we kind of like later in your fantasy drafts. But I, I kind of want to start with this uh, Jonathan Taylor latest here. Okay, so he wants to trade. Jim Mercer says, no, we're not trading you. And then it gets a little trickier, too, because like even if a team wanted to make a move, it's like you're going to give up what premium draft capital for the right to then go pay Jonathan Taylor because Jonathan Taylor wants a contract extension. Right. So that's what makes it tricky, Matt, is in today's market. And we know that there's, you know, a lot of running backs are upset. But in today's market, it's like you're really going to give up premium Listen, there's only one Kyle Shanahan in this league, okay? But it's like, how many teams are going to give up premium draft picks and pay the guy? Like, that's what I would like to know. And Jonathan Taylor kind of sort of testing the the boundaries and the limits right now with Indianapolis. It's funny. I've heard my my good personal friend, Austin Eckler, make this point uh, about about the teams that want to you know trade or put running backs on the trade block because he made the point, you know, the only reason I wasn't traded is that the Chargers wanted too many picks in or wanted too high value picks in return for me and nobody wanted to give them up. He said it's ironic right. that the team wants all these draft picks back but doesn't mm-hmm. want to pay you, which I do understand right. sort of the hypocrisy in that. Um, yeah, I, it, we're just in such a weird spot with the running backs. And, and I admit that I don't know the inner workings of um, uh, Jonathan Taylor's agent. And, and uh, there, he seems to be a pretty controversial figure. Um, I do think it's a little – you know, Taylor's not participating in camp right now um, because of an ankle injury, but the team is also saying they might put him on the um, put him NFI. on the uh, NFI list because of a back issue. So maybe the timing right. of trying to get this extension is not great. Um, but, you know, I, I just think we're in such an odd spot with running backs where these guys, I mean – who's been the best player for the Colts the last two years? It's probably been Jonathan Taylor. Like mm-hmm. who's been the best, who's been the most consistent player on the chargers offense the last two years. It's probably been Austin Eckler, even though I think obviously Justin Herbert's more important to their team success. You know, definitely I, you can't tell me there's a defensive coordinator out there. who's like, man, I'm really scared about Daniel Jones and I don't really care what Saquon Barkley does to us. You know, uh, um, <laughs> Josh Jacobs definitely benefited from Devonte right. Adams presence there last year and the light boxes and how many, you know, two, two high shells and, and all that stuff was dedicated to Devonte Adams. I understand that, but obviously he was one of the best players on the field. And it's just, he was. it's odd that we've gotten to this point with all of these franchise level guys, some of the most marketable mm-hmm. best players on their team that, you know, Ursay is just, he's flat. Like, no, we're not even going to entertain any type of extension. Um, I, I don't know who thought it was a good idea to let those two guys meet one-on-one. I mean, what good was going to come <laughs> out of that? I have no idea. Um, that was a bad idea. So I, yeah, it's just, Uh, I I do kind of, I know we'll talk more about the Taylor thing specifically, but my one thing about that I'm thinking about running backs right now in general is like, 
when do we get to a point? Is it two years from now or something where quote the market? Cause these guys don't really get to hit the market, but like teams decide, Oh, you know what? Actually it is a market inefficiency to have a great running back. Like, the Titans certainly aren't pissed about Derrick Henry's contract, you know, and, nope. and he's been the identity of the team. The, the, you mentioned Kyle Shanahan pulls running backs out of his ass every year, but he's like, you know what? When there's a unique situation to get Christian McCaffrey, I'm going to go get Christian McCaffrey. I'm do it. Um, oh, yeah. Where would the Browns be without Nick Chubb? You know, so I, I do think we'll get to a point where the tides turn with running back, but I'm just not sure that's going to happen this year or with Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor specifically. You know, I feel like Jonathan Taylor hasn't built up enough. Um, well, I don't want to say cred, but it's like, look, he's following a 2022 season where I legitimately called him one of the largest, one of the biggest fantasy football busts of all time. Because he was. He, he was he yeah. was the consensus 1.1. And man, he absolutely crushed you in fantasy football. But to your point, in real life football, Jonathan Taylor, probably the most important player on that team over the past two seasons, maybe the past three seasons, to be honest with you. He's been he's been, you know, um, it's his 2021. I mean, he was just fantastic, you know. So um, but uh, again, it's like I, I think. I'm with the running backs in this one. And I understand the argument of like, oh, they're so easy, easily replaceable, which is like, that's how, how false of an argument is that? You know, it's like everyone in football is replaceable. You know, I mean, other than the great quarterbacks, right? Like you go from your starter level quarterback to a backup. Okay. It's right. a, it's a cataclysmic fall off. Right. But I mean, your left guard, your right guard. Okay. These guys are still getting paid. You know, you know what I mean? So the one rule in football that's really been been true is if you play well, you get paid. And so it, it seems really disingenuous to then say, well, running, running backs are so replaceable, so we're not going to pay them. But it's like, yeah, but literally every position on the field other than quarterback is that way. You know what I mean? Like, you can't tell me what's the – I mean, again, when we're talking pro bowl, all caliber guys – what is the drop off between like Sauce Gardner and the backup backup cornerback? It's pretty significant, but it's not like you're getting a zero. You know what I'm saying? So I right. I just I just I don't know, man. It seems like a very disingenuous argument to say, well, Jonathan Taylor's is great player, uh, Josh Jacobs is a great player, but his backup would give us eighty percent of what Josh. Jac no, he won't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like he'll give you some production for sure. Yes, he will. Absolutely. But he's not giving you the game breaking ability. He's not giving you the I'm going to I'm going to make yards on my own type of ability, the touchdown making ability that Austin Eckler gives you. These guys aren't giving you that. I mean, for God's sakes, look at what the drop off was from Austin Eckler to his backups. I mean, it's not yeah. even we're, we're not even in the same realm now, you know, so I, I don't even I really don't understand that part. But I, I, I tell you what. Regardless of what the financials are saying, this quote from Jim Irsay is just an all-timer. If I die tonight and Jonathan Taylor is out of the league, no one's going to miss us. The league goes on. We know that. The National Football League rolls on. It doesn't matter who comes and who goes. It's a privilege to be a part of it. If I die tonight... No one's going to miss us, man. Oh, but what a quote from Jim Irsay. Golly. I mean, what a quote from Jim Irsay. Who, um, <laughs> I had a podcast producer today call him um, oh. Jim wrote in that podcast outline, remarkably online owner Jim Irsay. And I mean, that has got to be the case. It was a great time for people to uh, resurface all of the like absolutely insane things that Jim Irsay was tweeting in 2011. Uh -huh. Um, and, and, you know, when he might've been having some off field trouble, uh, Jim Mersey. So <laughs> uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's just, <laughs> I, I, I just wonder what it does to the culture in the locker room too. You know, um, I, I wonder what, what players think about it. And it, it is hard to, to know for sure, because, you know, again, I, I am sympathetic to the, the, your point about. Taylor, um, I don't think was a bust because he played poorly last year. I think he was dealing with injuries and he's still dealing mm -hmm. with injuries right now. And I For think sure. that's the biggest thing. I don't even think it's so much the replaceable part of it. Cause I think, um, even if you, even if you can find replaceable running back production, I still think that most coaches who are, by the way, obsessed with the running game, right. Are obsessed yeah, right, with, right. 
we need to run the ball better. We need to run the ball in advantageous situations. And, you know, we need to kill the clock and all this stuff. And I get that, like, the running back's not the only part of the run game. So I understand that. But I still think you'd get a lot of them to admit that, hey, there's a difference between having Zach Moss, who, by the way, broke his arm, you know, know. his backup right. uh, in, in Indianapolis, one of the backups. Zach Moss breaks his arm. Like, there's a difference between Zach Moss being out there and Jonathan Taylor being out there. But I think what a lot of these teams are concerned about is – how these contracts have aged. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, Dallas is just paying for, you know, declining production with Ezekiel Elliott. I think that's contributed to the running back market, you know, falling apart. I think Todd Gurley his I mean, it, it, it was not that long ago. Todd Gurley was the best running back in football. And now he's, right. you know, way, way out of the league, you know, and yeah. he's still like, isn't he like 27 years old or something, Todd Gurley? Yeah, I mean um, a a I mean he did have a degenerative knee condition. Right. That's that's that was a big one. Yeah. Yeah, but he's 20 yeah, he's 28 right now, uh Todd Crazy. Gurley. Cra- um, crazy he'll crazy. be 29 and actually on august 3rd so uh happy birthday happy early birthday to todd Gurley. Um, oh, that's crazy i hope it's going i hope it's going well wherever he is but yeah man it's just like i think it's the running it's the age factor with the running backs that like you know sure. uh that that's part of why these teams are hesitant to invest and i understand that and you know a guy like jonathan taylor like i said he never missed a practice that was uh, anybody who told you you were an idiot if you didn't take jonathan taylor at number one overall and you were considering taking mccaffrey over taylor was like yeah. you idiot you idiot uh McCaffrey gets hurt all the time and Jonathan Taylor has never missed a practice he never missed a practice <laughs> and then he missed all the time last year so it can happen right. to anybody running back right. I think that's right. part of the problem too another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where Bank of America can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseballs and boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Reception Perception, the show. Now, James Cole and Matt Harmon. All right, moving on. How, how about Alvin Kamara? He's teasing ahead that he's going to give the fans an update August 2nd, which would indicate that he's probably going to meet with the commissioner at some point here between now and August 2nd. Uh, he was facing a felony battery charge, pled out to a misdemeanor. Um, so what what is his suspension and, and, and you know penalties look like from the commissioner's office? We're going to find out apparently pretty soon if we if we believe what Alvin Kamara is saying uh, in New Orleans. They, they've got a couple of running backs there that, you know, again, you, you get hyped up for Kendra Miller if you want. Uh, don't know. Uh, but uh, Alvin Kamara, again, one, one of the best in the league uh, when he's right. And it's weird because I don't know if he was right last year or if the Saints were just kind of moving away from him because – you really look at his usage last year, and it just like wasn't oh, quite it made the no same. Sense. Uh, it, it first of all, yeah. I mean, c- can you throw Alvin Kamara the ball? I, I just, I, what, <laughs> on a team bereft of pass catchers, your game plan does not feature throwing Alvin Kamara the ball. That doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Like, uh, what are we doing out here? You you know what I mean? Like, he saw seventy seven targets in twenty twenty two, which is fine. Um, but I mean, again, uh, the, the drop off from like 2020 when he saw, you know, he, look, he saw a hundred one Oh five, 97, one Oh seven. 
right? And then in 2021, he saw 67. And in 2022, he saw 77. But like, get this guy the ball more in space. And the other thing I'll say too, Matt, is why, why were they running this guy between the tackles so much? Like, I didn't understand that yeah. part of it at all. And I, I just feel like there must be some disconnect between Kamara, the player he is right now, and the coaching staff. Obviously, we know Sean Payton uh, basically quit on the team uh, and then, you know, went to retire, fake retire for a year to go to go <laughs> choose where he is. Um, right, Sean Payton's a little right. bit on my radar. I love Sean Payton. But he's a little bit <laughs> on my radar right now uh, about this, th- this whole thing. So, yeah, I mean, he leaves the team and then obviously Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael, who's been the offensive coordinator forever, is, is the offensive coordinator now. But he's obviously got more a hand in it now that Sean Payton's gone. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the usage there wasn't the same, like we said, and, and it must it seemed like there must have been some disconnect between uh, Kamara and the team. And then this offseason, they didn't just spend uh, like uh, resources to get one guy. They got two guys, like you said. Yep. Kendra Miller in the draft. Jonathan uh, Jamal Williams in, in free agency. Yep, so yep. I, even when if Kamara is suspended, I get it. They'll have a one-two punch there, theoretically. But even when he's back, like, are they going to use all three of these guys? Um, is it going to be a point like to, if he gets suspended where, you know what, Alvin, like you're a franchise legend. Um, you, you, uh, have been a great player, you know, Scott Barrett from fantasy points put out this graphic today that he like leads the NFL by a good bit in fantasy points per touch since the NFL merger, which I know that's not like a perfect wow. encapsulation of, um, play but i mean damn right. it obviously he's doing something right <laughs> you know uh so <laughs> right. i i just like jamal williams is a pretty good back he's a good veteran like miller has a lot of upside um and i i really have am coming around on the saints offense in general like i'm i'm i know that that sounds kind of crazy but I'm, I'm coming around to this being a really really good offense if if all things hit so i'm c- kind of just confused as to how they're going to use all three of these backs well it's got it all i mean the offense it's going to go by their quarterback, right? If Derek Carr is good, then this, uh, you know, not that this the, the Saints offense will take off, but um, you talk about some of the, you know, you've got Chris Olave there with Derek Carr. Uh, that's a that's a great foundation. And if Alvin Kamara comes back and is is suspended for uh, just a handful of games or whatever it might be, um, second half uh, for the Saints team. And, and I mean, let's be real, Matt. They, the NFC South's wide. I mean, it is wide yeah. open absolutely wide open so whatever you think about this offense they're going to be in the running um at least early on anyways uh for an nfc south crown in a potential playoff spot man i just think chris olave could be the type of guy that like he could have a justin jefferson type of impact for for the saints really like i think he could be that good because he's such a good route runner uh he's such a good separator obviously he's not you know, the best after catch receiver. We've talked about that, but um, man, he's just so good in that intermediate area. And the connection that Devontae Adams and Derek Carr had on like dig routes and out routes, like those are some of Chris Olave's best routes in that intermediate area. And like, if he's a 90 catch 1300 yard guy this year, that wouldn't surprise me. And then it's like, you know, they got other threats too. They have Michael Thomas. If he's out there, I mean, obviously, you know, who knows if Michael Thomas will be out there and how long he can stay out there. But I really like right. Rashid Shahid. I like the running backs. Oh, They're pretty deep at tight end. They got Juwan Johnson who flashed last year. Foster Moreau has played with uh, with Derek Carr, obviously, in in, uh, in Vegas. I mean, they brought back Jimmy Graham, which is kind of weird, but oh it, Jimmy what? Graham is there. What is that? What, is that? what? I Where did know. that come from? That just was the most like head scratching move in the. I'm like, what? J- Jimmy Graham is he still in the league? Like, what is going on? He wasn't Jimmy in the league Graham. last year. That's <laughs> but crazy. He is now. That's insane. That's just that is just bananas. It just doesn't make any sense. Uh, by the way, I just want to talk about uh, very quickly, and we'll move on. But Alvin Kamara, his um, his usage as a running back, just pure running back. And again, I thought they could have used him more as a wide receiver too. But um, Kamara's usage as a running back between the tackles, fifty point two percent of his carries went between the tackles. Right? Um, that was <clears throat> from a percentage wise, it was top thirty uh, in the NFL. But they utilized him very similar to the way that Houston utilized Damian Pierce as like this, like early down thumper of a running back. And it just, to me, just you look at Alvin Kamara's, you know, speed and skill set, 
get this guy to the outside, man. Dennis, I'll yeah. figure out a way. Get this guy to the outside. His outside run percentage should be closer to, you know, some of the, you know, top dudes in the league, you know? And, and when you look at some of these top guys, I mean, they're running outside a lot, right? So, like, I'd love to see his outside run percentage, you know, somewhere in, like, the 60 to 70 uh, percent range. I mean, Dalvin Cook, for example, Nick Chubb ran outside on 85% of his carries. Dalvin hmm. Cook outside 75% of his carries. Um, that's what you want. I mean, Brees Hall, 60, 66% of his carries went to the outside. That's what you want uh, from a, an explosive athlete. That's how you get big old chunk plays. Now, it does sometimes lead to some negative plays too, some stuffs. Uh, but overall, when you get a guy like Alvin Kamara getting to the outside, it puts a lot of stress on that defense. That's why when I watch him play, I didn't understand the usage for Alvin Kamara at all. I mean, there's again, they're treating him like he's Damian Pierce, some like, you know, battering ram down the middle. I just to me, it just I, I didn't understand what the hell the Saints were doing. There. Yeah, weird, too, because, again, it's all the same coaching staff just without Sean Payton and, and their usage right. for um, a foundation player and that's why i think there must have been some just weird tension between player and team and, and i don't know if that tension has evaporated i can't imagine that a suspension is going to make that any better uh but they certainly added a lot of running backs this offseason and, and that has to make you intrigued can a running back stay healthy in seattle that is a oh. legitimately quite like i'm legitimately asking this question <laughs> matt Harmon. Both rookie Zach Charbonnet, who is now out indefinitely with a shoulder injury, which for a running back is never good. Okay. And Kenneth Walker, the third, who's also out indefinitely. And again, remember Rashad Penny uh, suffered a season ending injury. It just seems like every single year. It's a yeah. season. Chris ending Carson injury had to retire for... because of a exactly. neck injury. I come on, what is going on? These guys in Seattle, they legitimately cannot stay healthy. I just, I don't understand what is going on in Seattle, man. A big reason why I think they drafted Zach Charbonnet too. You know, it was kind of a surprising pick in the second round after they had taken yep. Kenneth Walker in the second round last year. I think a big reason why they took that guy is that I think he, they wanted him to kind of help out in the screen game and be a bit more of a receiver than Kenneth Walker is. I think he's also like a steady grinder type, whereas Ken Walker is probably a bit more boom bust. Uh, but I mean, part of it was just like, look, we need to have other options because Walker dealt with injuries as a rookie. Uh, like you mentioned, yep. you know, Rashad Penny started the year hot because Kenneth Walker was banged up coming into the year. And then uh, he was the starter, but he missed, I think it missed at least one game after becoming the starter. And then, you know, it just it's like, okay, yeah, we need another change up here. We need another option. And then th this guy, Zach Charbonnet, gets hurt. So I don't know. It's kind of a shame because I really, I mean, look, maybe these aren't going to be long-term injuries. We'll see how long they're out. Pete Carroll also, yeah. by the way, famously unreliable when it comes to projecting how long guys are going to be out. <laughs> but we both think right. this, we talked about it with Derek Glass on the last episode. We think this offense could be like a top five offense this year because it has For receiving sure. talent. It has, you know, Geno's performance is legit. The offensive line I think is underrated, but like part of it too, is that both of these running backs are, I think good in different ways and provide a, 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 a counter punch when the passing game is not there for Seattle. So um, not a good start uh, to that particular duo's uh, projection, especially because they're probably in a straight up battle to see who's going to get more touches. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think they'll, I think they'll try to utilize them 50, 50. And again, this kind of goes back to the Rashad Penny. They spent a first round draft pick on Rashad Penny, because again, that's how much, uh, Seattle values the run game and basically again that you can make fun of Pete Carroll all you want okay and I get yeah he's he's an old dude with a young soul but he plays a little boomer ball right like he wants to establish the run he does that's what he wants yeah, he to do does. he wants to play good defense and establish the run um, and who are we to say he's wrong I mean honestly last year was I thought just a big middle finger to all those folks who said let Russ cook you know what totally. I mean? Like this guy came out and absolutely just middle fingers, guns blazing and just said, nope, nah, like, no, this is Pete Carroll's offense. This is what we do. This is what we do philosophically. Uh, and, and he was right. You know, he was right. By the way, all those people who said, let Russ cook. Um, I did not see an apology at any point from a lot of these folks, you know, like where's the Pete Carroll apology. That's what I want to know. Where, where was the Pete Carroll apology? Uh, as you are blasting the old man uh, into the sun in 2020. 
uh, back in the day. I don't know. We'll see. Anyways, in Denver, how about Tim Patrick? He was carted off. Oh, um, yeah. This one, this one sounds bad. Uh, feared to be a left torn Achilles. Uh, he missed all of last year with a torn right ACL. I mean, ah, you just, you hate to see it, Matt. I mean, it's just, come on, man. Tim Patrick. I mean, again, this guy's not a superstar, by any stretch of the imagination, but I thought when he played, I thought he played pretty decent football. I thought he was a, a very good rotational piece for Denver and uh, somebody that they could have used a, as a great flanker wide receiver uh, there in Denver. And, and there was, you know, some optimism that he would be, you know, a starting wide receiver in three wide receiver sets at times, you know? Yeah, I've always like laughed at the Tim Patrick thing because uh, he seems to be like the best receiver to ever play, according to a bunch of Broncos beat writers. Um, but that's not to take away from anything that this guy is like a, a a true underdog, you know, where he's, he's risen up the ranks to be, I I agree with you, not an elite guy or a number one receiver or anything, but he is like a a solid starter, right? Like a rotational player, good hands, you know? Um, so I, I think it's a loss for Denver and, and I do think one of the reasons I've been really skeptical about Judy and fantasy this year is, you know, obviously I've got my questions about his, his skill set. We know he's like a solid man coverage beating route runner, but is he consistent enough to be uh, a good player against zone coverage? Is he a consistent enough route runner overall to be like a true number one receiver? We have our doubts about that from a reception perception angle, but also I think this, if Judy's not an elite target commanding alpha receiver, it's going to be tough, I think, to stand out in this crowded room. But now it's just going to become a little less crowded with Patrick out because, you know, yeah. Cortland Sutton, again, probably like an average starting X receiver. Um, I think he can run some slant routes and run uh, some, sh- you know, crossing routes and stuff like that. But he's not really a vertical threat. Is this going to open up the door for Marvin Mims uh, yes. to be like oh, the yeah. vertical slot receiver on this team? You know, we're talking about like underrated rookie profiles later he's somebody to really mention too because not only did this um tim patrick thing uh, happen also uh kj hamler was diagnosed with a mild heart irritation today Mm. and uh hamler is going to be waived by the broncos but they're planning to like bring him back he's he's going to be sidelined several weeks and he hasn't really stayed healthy at any point throughout his career so you know they still want to throw to the running backs they still have greg dulcich but this room is getting a lot Less crowded here as yeah, we're as dinner. we're as we're sitting here. Yeah, there's no doubt. Um, yeah, I think Marvin Mims, and we're going to get to Marvin Mims um, when we start talking about late round guys in fantasy that I want to target. I think it's wheels up uh, for Marvin Mims, and um, and yeah, I just absolutely love it. Anyways, but um, he is a rookie, and, and it reminded me again, he's a, a rookie that I think will have um, a, a lot of leeway now and some runway, I think, to to really take off in 2023. It's Reception Perception, the show. James Cole and Matt Harmon. I want to revisit a couple, a few guys here. And and I want to start with in L.A. with Puka Nakua. Um, What you wrote about him. What did you see in his game? How do you think he fits in? Um, Look, this is a team in L.A. We know they've got Cooper Cup and he's going to see all the work in the world, but they need other guys. Um, Van Jefferson is somebody that I think can step forward. I think he could play that, you know, that that Robert Woods inside outside role. But still, this is a team that runs 11 personnel almost exclusively. Right. So what are we talking about with the Rams? Who's going to be their third wide receiver? Josh Norris pointed out on Twitter that there's a 60 spot positional difference between the Rams wide receiver one Cooper Cup and their wide receiver two, assuming that it is Van Jefferson. And I will actually talk about Van Jefferson a little bit later. Spoiler alert. But um, there you go. And in 2021 with Stafford, Josh pointed out that the Rams were third in pace when trailing and fourth in neutral pass rate. And they could be doing a lot of trailing with that defense this year. Right. So there's it's there's a ton of opportunity in L.A. And I I actually kind of feel like I I think when you look at the Rams receiver room, obviously, we talked about Cooper Cup a couple episodes last episode. You know, he can play uh, outside, but he's primarily best as being like that big slot move around the formation type. And I think. Puka actually fits in best as that Robert Woods type. When you look at these guys, uh, I think Van Jefferson's more of like a vertical X receiver. Okay. Um, and then you look at Puka, who, you know, when you look at so, so both these guys, we're talking about him and Michael Wilson. 
Yeah. They're in the, you know, the rookie roundup mini samples uh, on like later round draft prospects. Uh, Puka, I think might have been my favorite guy. Uh, project that was like a day three draft pick. I really like him as a player. You see a ton of reps with him working multiple positions. Majority of his snaps came in the slot, 41.1% mm. in the three games sampled for reception perception, but um, 15.6% was in the backfield as a pre-snap motion player. That was key with Robert Woods' role. Uh, he was on the line of scrimmage for 39% of his snaps, off the line for 61%. So again, I think he's going to be like a pre-snap motion flanker type. And he's pretty big, 6'2", 201 yeah. pounds, and he showed an ability to beat man coverage too, seventy four point two percent success rate versus man coverage in that in those games sampled. Uh, I also thought he had great contact balance as an after catch mover, some build up speed too. I really think he's got some ability, uh, Puka Nakua. And uh, look, he's a day three draft pick. I'm not saying like he's about to come in and light the league on fire as a <laughs> as a rookie, but okay. if he ha- earns a big role on this wide open depth chart, I mean that wouldn't be surprising at all because I think he's like a if I could to use two words to describe Puka Nakua, it would yeah. be rugged and reliable. And I feel like the Rams need a little bit, a little bit of that in their offense right now. I'm a little bit worried about his athletic profile. One, I like his size, obviously 6'2", 200 plus pounds. Um, you know, at BYU, he, he wasn't all that productive. His last season at BYU, very interesting. You know, he played nine injuries. games, uh, a lot of injuries. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, 48 receptions in 625 yards. Uh, his junior season at BYU, um, 12 games, and again, uh, even uh, 43 catches for 805 and six touchdowns. So, uh, you know, he averaged 18.7 yards per catch his junior season, which is what you'd like to see. Uh, but overall, not a hugely productive player. And, and I get that BYU, uh, those seasons weren't necessarily, you know, the best teams out there. I understand. Um, but yeah, I, I've got some. I guess I, I just have some concerns there with his overall athleticism, uh, but I do like the size. I, I kind of envision him more as like not really – again, I, I and maybe correct me if I'm wrong here. I don't see him having ability to kind of separate himself outside. I really see him as this like big slot guy uh, that, could, that, that could create some matchup problems in the middle of the field. Well, and I think that's what's key about seeing Cooper Cup play a little bit more outside is that there was a lot of times in that – Rams offense when they were at their peak with the three receiver sets where Robert Woods and Cooper Cup were kind of overlapping roles a little bit. Um, Now I think Cooper Cup has such a unique role and such like a singular, such a singular role when it comes to NFL receivers, but they would get Robert Woods lined up in the slot sometimes. Again, he would definitely be used as like a pre-snap motion guy, even part of the running game too. You know, they would use Robert Woods on, on the run game a lot. And that was definitely something that, um, that uh, that would was present with with Puka Nakua like they would use him in the run game okay. as well uh so I think that that's just the role he fits in best it's a little bit of slot it's some flanker stuff and it's like pre-snap motion and yeah I just I mean, when you look at the Rams receiver core man it's just like is that third receiver going to be Tutu Atwell is it going to be like Ben Skoranek again there's just not Demarcus Robinson lurks is, I mean I know that Demarcus Robinson is yeah, not right. great player but he lurks. I mean, again, if we're talking about a guy, if you want to get Cooper Cup lined up inside pretty much, and again, I, I know he played you know, outside uh, a bit last year, but you would, I think, want Cooper Cup inside you know, 80% of the time. Who's going to play outside? Van Jefferson's certainly going to be one guy. Who's the other guy? Could be Demarcus Robinson. Um, and knowing Sean McVay, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they just kind of mix and match and try to figure out a way to generate some kind of production um, for their third wide receiver. I said, by the way, I said they always run 11 personnel, and, and I'm really not exaggerating, okay? Uh, according to Next Gen Stats, they actually ran the highest percentage of 11 personnel in the NFL last year. Nearly 91% of their offensive plays featured 11 personnel, far and away the most in the NFL. The Bengals were number two at 82%. So kind of gives you an idea um, of what Sean McVay likes to do. I think it's actually kind of funny because the way that Sean McVay runs this offense, I know he sets that baseline 11 personnel look, and then he confuses defenses because it's the same look and then they move around, right? Mm -hmm. There's all that pre-snap motion and, and, and just all the route concepts from the same base personnel, I think confuses defenses like there's no tells 
right? Like there's no tells in Sean McVay's offense. You don't know whether it's going to be a run or a pass or what kind of pass it's going to be. And I think that's kind of sort of the genius in terms of what Sean McVay does. And don't forget there was that end to the 2019 season for Tyler Higby where he went crazy and they used like they actually used a ton of 12 personnel because they felt mm. I believe I, I I don't know if that was the year that Cooper Cup got injured or they were dealing or that might have been the year Brandon Cooks got injured for in 2019 and um they just like you know what we actually wanted to be originally we wanted to be a 12 personnel team but we just had better receivers and we had tight ends but right now it's kind of the inverse where we have better tight ends than we have receivers and Higby, by the way, like when you do projections, I, which I'm I'm about to wrap up my projections today and hopefully get the redraft fantasy rankings. I know people are looking for those on the site, the tiers, the annual tiers cheat sheet. When you do projections, yeah. <laughs> you do projections for, um, <laughs> for, for for like you know the the Tyler Higby stuff. He comes out looking so good because it's just like. Man, who's commanding a ton of targets here on this offense besides <laughs> Cooper Cup? Like he's he's gonna get his right. Uh, yeah. I don't know if I'm excited about uh, Tyler Higby in fantasy, but he's gonna moonwalk into a bunch of targets. And then and then and then they also don't forget they traded Jalen Ramsey, who's injured right. now. But they got yep. like a third round pick, and then this tight end Hunter Long, who's done like nothing, you know, really nothing in the NFL, but. Okay. Um, there's a lot of like, oh, is he going to break out this year? Is he going to break out this year in, in L.A.? I don't know. Maybe maybe not, but maybe they become like a 12 personnel team this year because they look at their receiver depth and they're like, ah, yeah, it's just, it's not there. It's not there. So we'll see. I don't know. It's, it, a lot That's is up in the air about, sure. about the Rams. Um, a lot is up in the air. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, and again, I think uh, I think when you, I, I really liked Gerald Everett, by the way, uh, on that Rams team, and I think he's given um, you know the Chargers some decent production as well. Anyways, whatever, we move on. Uh, what about Michael Wilson there in Arizona, Matt? Um, I think this is a guy that you very quietly. I know it's going to be a bad offense, but I'm just saying very quietly could walk into quite a bit of volume if you think about it. They've got Hollywood Brown. And then what? Zach Ertz is injured and, you know, Trey McBride's going to start the season as the starter. Uh, uh, Greg Dortch, Rondell Moore. Uh, there's not really a ton there. I, I think Michael Wilson, who I thought, again, you talk about, a, a you know, a rugged player. I think he could give Arizona some much needed, you know, tough looks. People are sleeping on Michael Wilson, I think. Uh, and. He's another guy featured in that rookie roundup mini samples on on these players. So, you know, it's only a couple games, two, three games that I've got a uh, reception perception on him. But I mean, yeah, you just look at him and he stands out from the Cardinals receiver core. We know I like I really like Hollywood Brown. I think Hollywood Brown is like an underrated receiver, not the best mm -hmm. press man coverage beater, but he's a good zone beater and, you know, a solid route runner overall. Um, I think he's going to I think he's going to get and he's going to command a boatload of targets this year. We'll see who the quarterback is, of course, but I think he's going to get a lot of targets. But then the next guy is like probably Rondell Moore. And I just, Rondell Moore can't play outside. I, I don't think mm -hmm. he can play outside. I think he is a slot gadget guy. He showed a little bit more real receiver stuff last year after having the weirdest reception perception profile of all time in, as a rookie, <laughs> you know, when he had that like – and he also had like a 1.1 okay. A dot or whatever. You know, he's basically doing like yeah. running backs. He's like he's like running Austin Eckler routes, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right. as, as right. a receiver. Exactly. So I, I think you look at Michael Wilson, he could – be the X receiver in this offense. Cause I like Hollywood Brown, but he's probably not your X just because of the size and like his ability to deal with press. So you look at Michael Wilson, a guy who is the bigger player, 69.2% success rate versus man coverage, 70.4% success rate versus press coverage in his mini sample, really good uh, curl route runner, um, some intermediate stuff as well there. Uh, he's not perfect. He's, he makes some mistakes in contested situations. He's got to work on his hands a little bit, but uh, I think he's got the fundamentals uh, down as a to expand himself as a route runner. So if he plays a bigger role as a rookie, if this is still a three receiver set team, I mean, I, I think he's going to be on the field a ton because I just don't think Rondell. I don't think you can have Marquise Brown as your X and Rondell Moore as your flanker and really be a threatening re receiver core there. Is Rondell Moore, in, in your opinion, is Rondell Moore anything other than just a explosive 
gadget guy. Uh, I I would like to get a full profile up on him before the season starts, especially if he's going to like moonwalk into uh, a ton of targets or whatever. But right. just looking back on the, I did a few games of him uh, for the in-season charting uh, this past year. So I have a few games of him. I wrote uh, for him, Rondo Moore has slightly evolved after posting the weirdest profile in RP history as a rookie. I think his week five role is his best fit and likely long-term home. That was where he was playing more as a slot guy. Uh, 47.6% success rate versus man uh, in his game sampled for this for the in-season tracker. So, yeah, I, I don't see him as I, – I think he could be a slot but not a high-volume slot and probably more of, yeah, like a gadget guy. All right. Michael Wilson, uh, 6'2", 213 pounds. If you're wondering why he's going to stand out, he will literally stand out uh, yeah. from that receiver room because everyone else is so small, man. Like, what is going on? Uh, they've got the smallest wide receiver room in the NFL. It's crazy. Uh, 6'2", 213 pounds. Not, not, not an explosive athlete, I don't think, by any stretch of the imagination. He ran a 4.5840. Uh, with a 37 and a half inch vertical, which by the way, 37 and a half, I think that's fine. Uh, four, five, eight. Mm, yeah. We, we'd like to see that come down a little bit, but for his size, six, two, two, 13, it's not the worst time in the world. Um, and I just feel like, again, he's not a finesse player. Go, go turn on mm. some Michael Wilson Stanford. Yeah. This guy's not a finesse player. You know, he likes playing a little bully ball. I, the one thing I really like about him is that he really attacks that football in the air. Um, you know, if you need a contested catch, I think he, he's, he's going to fight for it. I, he doesn't have the best hands in the world, but you know, again, I, I think his catch radius is pretty long, uh, pretty wide, but yeah, you'd like, you'd like to see him come down with a few more, you know, tougher catches. Uh, but you know, he's going to fight for it. And, and I think that's kind of what I liked, uh, seeing, uh, from Michael Wilson from his Stanford days. And again, it's just. Matt, I don't know if you agree, but I think there's something to be said about some of that toughness, you know, like, and and again, I'm not one of these old school football heads or whatever, but like, you know, uh, set a tone a little bit, man. And Michael Wilson could be a little bit of a tone setter. You know, all these other guys, you know, they're finesse players, you know, and this dude, he's, (laughs) he ain't a finesse player, man. Like he's going to try to smack you in the mouth and get that football. I like that call. And, And I think too, the Cardinals are trying to establish like a culture this year. Right. Yeah. Where, man, I mean, how good of a team are they really going to be this year? You know, no, they're gonna be uh, bad. Ky- they're Kyler. Bad. Yeah, they're going to be bad. Kyler Murray, like he doesn't even have a timetable to play right now. I mean, I could see a scenario where he doesn't even play at all this year just because like they're so Same. bad that they're like, all right, yep. yeah, we're going to try to trade him. But at the same time, if you're going to be that bad and you're Jonathan Gannon, who I think was probably hired to be like a culture guy, like, you know, right. You want a tone setter out there, and Michael Wilson maybe can be a part of that. They, they, they drafted him pretty high, so I think he, I think he's going to be big, uh, big time involved in their plans this year. Yeah, end of the third round was uh, Michael Wilson. Okay, what about Zay Flowers, man? Give me, give me the dirt on Zay Flowers. Let's revisit his profile. Yeah, Zay Flowers has been getting a lot of positive buzz out of Ravens camp, and you know, generally we know the deal with the Ravens this year is that they are going to up the pace. They're going to up the tempo. Uh, I love Rashad Bateman, but Rashad Bateman has had a rocky offseason. He's had a rocky history with health since coming into the league. Um, I I basically just wanted – I want to be in on these Ravens receivers uh, because I can see – we talked about Odell Beckham. I really like Beckham. I obviously really like Bateman. But Flowers, man, you know, he's he's interesting. And I think he could end up being the best of this bunch. Uh, by the end of his rookie season yeah totally because if Bateman's not healthy if Bateman's just not the same player after injuries if Beckham obviously uh, as good as Odo Beckham is you know we just we don't know where he is as a player no clue zero clue no clue and and how long is he going to last right like even if he has a hot September does he fade as the season wears on with more time and you know potentially more injuries and stuff like that and Zay Flowers just I really liked his profile. You know, I, I liked him okay. better than Jordan Addison. I liked him better than Quinton Johnston. And I, it's no really disrespect to those players. I just think that Flowers brought the ability to play all three different positions. And I think that's been a key thing from training camp so far. It sounds like they're lining him up all over the field. Um, you know, Zay Flowers, 22, 29.2% of his sample snaps were from the slot. 
39 at right wide receiver, 26.2% on the left. He took 58% of his snaps behind the line and 41.8% on the line. So playing at X, playing at flanker, playing at slot, um, I think he's going to probably play a ton of slot this year if if Beckham and, and Bateman are out there. But a guy that can win all over and a guy who can beat man coverage, 73.1% success rate versus man in his rookie reception perception profile, 72.7% against press coverage. And when you look at Derek Klassen's Lamar Jackson profile, you know, he mm-hmm. was a good man, man coverage uh, adjusted accuracies. His success percentage was really high. 70, 68.3% um, for Lamar there. I also think you look at like his success rate on curl routes, Lamar Jackson throwing curl routes. That's going to be key with Zay flowers. Um, you know, some of those outbreaking routes, Zay flowers really good. Uh, working towards the outside there. So I don't know, man. I, I'm I'm starting to think that Flowers could be the guy in December that, that like is the most productive receiver on this team. And I think a lot of his reception perception profile backs up like Lamar Jackson, like lines up really well with Lamar Jackson's strengths. And it makes sense why he's getting a lot of pop in training camp right now. Where Derek Klassen said Lamar Jackson struggled was deep over the field, right? Um, a 58% success rate on digs and a 44% success rate on post. Not great. Receiver talent obviously played a factor, uh, and Greg Roman's offense played a huge factor uh, as well. But the bottom line is, Der- Derek said this, look, the bottom line is he's just not a great downfield thrower. Um taking nothing away from his abilities because Derek also put him in the elite tier of quarterbacks. Um, So he's got nothing but respect for Lamar overall, but if he's got warts in his game, certainly it's going to be in over the top. Um, And again, receiver talent had to have played a big uh, part of that, but yeah, you're right. Uh, Was, you know, uh, according to Derek, I think, I think he was a little bit, he thought he was a little bit better against man uh, versus the field versus zone versus the field. Right. Um, So there's something to be said there. Hey, listen, Zay flowers. Okay. Um, Five, nine, one eighty. He ran a four, four, two 40 with a 35 and a half inch vertical. I think he's a good athlete. He's not a great athlete, um, Mm -hmm. especially given his size. So, this is an offense that I, I think I am so curious. What does Odell have left in the tank from a speed perspective? Uh, because I think what they've got now is a collection. And again, health is such a big factor in this Matt man. But um, if they can get those three guys going, I think they've got three good athletes. They don't have any great athletes, but I do think they need to attack the field as a unit. Um, I I would just be really concerned if one or both of Odell and Rashad Bateman aren't totally right. Um, How much can they really rely on Zay Flowers? Um, There's going to, you would think, right, that there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve uh, for Zay going from Boston College to the pro game. The one thing I would think is helpful that you see a lot of with Zay Flowers um, in college his quarterback, mm, not so great, you know. No, it was bad. Uh, not not that great. Was just... there. It was really bad. <laughs> that was bad. That was bad. That was bad. But was I, bad. I think what you see with Zay Flowers is he did a lot of work. It didn't always come to fruition because of that quarterback. But you know, when the quarterback gets in trouble, there's pressure, stuff like that. He is pretty good about like breaking off his routes and adjusting um, and scramble drills. Again, didn't like lead to anything positive because the offense just wasn't very good. But 4.6%, so not a high percentage, but that's like within the collegiate average, 4.6% of his routes were other, mostly like scramble drill routes, 92.9% success rate for Zay Flowers. So even if he's like getting used to the speed of NFL defenses and the speed of the the physicality of corners on the outside in the Mm -hmm. NFL compared to the collegiate game, we know Lamar is going to scramble. We know the play is going to break down. And maybe as that like short... Uh, area slot receiver, that's where Zay Flowers can make some plays. Other wide receivers on Baltimore squad, Devin Duvernay, who flashed some ability at times last year, and Nelson Aguilar. They also picked up Laquan Treadwell. Uh, of course. So, yes, of course. Uh, I don't know how many teams Laquan Treadwell's played for now, but uh, it seems like a lot. Uh, someone's always going to take a chance on uh, the former first rounder, so we'll see. Uh, but those are the other guys. Devin Duvernay, Nelson Aguilar, and Laquan Treadwell somewhere in the mix as well. James Prochet. I don't even know how to say his last name. James Prochet. Yep, James, James Prochet, Prochet yeah. 
James Prochet also in the mix there too. But uh, by the way, we didn't even mention Mark Andrews or Isaiah Likely, uh, two guys that obviously right. are going to get a lot of play um, in this Baltimore offense as well. All right. Uh, those are your look backs. Um, and again, we did talk about those guys previously, but again, with, with training camps, you know, starting and we got some updated information, blah, 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 blah. That's how, that's who we're talking about. Nuka Pakua, uh, Michael Wilson, who I agree with, man. I, I think he's got an opportunity uh, to really set himself apart here in what is probably going to be a bad Arizona offense, but whatever. Uh, we're, we're looking for opportunities in fantasy football. And with that, let's talk about some late round guys. Uh, all those guys that we mentioned will be late, later round selections, uh, even Zay Flowers. But give me some late round guys uh, at the wide receiver position, Matt. And we're talking late, late, late. Uh, that you really like and think could pop off. Yeah, I wanted to call these kind of like favorite double-digit wide receivers slash forgotten wide receivers. Um, you know, it, the one guy who doesn't really stand out, and I just want to mention his name because he is my favorite like double-digit round receiver is Nico Collins. Uh, we've talked okay. a lot about Nico Collins here, so yeah. he doesn't really fit in this group. But just since we're talking about double-digit round favorites, um, I really like uh, you know him as a as a double-digit round guy. But kind of this forgotten group of players. One, we talked about Van Jefferson. Uh, I think people forget that Van Jefferson was really good in 2021. I agree. Uh, he was totally. He agree. was banged up last year. We know he came into the year um, banged up. We also talked a lot about on this podcast, like how that was kind of sneaky, a big deal that people just like yada yada, like all oh, Van Jefferson's not going to be there. But one, it, look, I was way too high on Allen Robinson last year, but we knew that Allen Robinson wasn't going to be like a vertical threat for this team. Uh, right. and Van Jefferson is a vertical threat. You know, you look back at his 2021 reception perception profile, 63.8% success rate on nine routes, 81.5% success rate on post routes. Uh, I really like that as to kind of like but the shot plays, you know, and, and look, if Stafford's back there, they're going to whip it. And I think they're going to whip it to Van Jefferson, who was good the year they won the Super Bowl. 53rd percentile success rate versus man. You know, that's a pretty solid number. It's not special, but it's solid. And I would like to get a 22 profile up on him because I just think he's kind of an underrated deep vertical route runner, Van Jefferson. He's my yeah. kind of – I really like him. You know, Jacoby Myers, I think, deserves to be mentioned. Reports out of uh, Raiders camper that uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is struggling with the long ball. Okay, shock. well, guess what? Yeah, shock. <laughs> but guess guess who's going to be open on uh, all the short and intermediate stuff? It's going to be Jacoby Myers, who the team paid right. a good bit of money to. I think he's kind of hey, forgotten. To, yeah, go to for piggyback it. on that too, though, there's also reports that uh, that uh, Hunter Renfro is kind of like completely fallen out. With the Raiders, oh yeah, they right? like so, want to trade him, but nobody wants to trade for him, I guess, because they gave right. him a, a sh they gave him a shitload of money before deciding they don't like him anymore. It's just baffling, baffling, because Hunter Renfro is actually a good football player, and the Raiders cannot figure out how to get him on the field. Like, come on, so man! Weird. Like, again, uh, hand, noted hands eater, Zach, uh, uh, you know uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Matt Collins was playing like ninety six percent. Matt Collins playing ninety six percent of the snaps. Hunter Renfro couldn't even get out there. What's going on? I don't understand. Anyways, but keep going. <laughs> well, they saw they saw Matt Collins eating spaghetti with his hands and, and Hunter Renfro, you know, using a fork exactly. like a softy, and they're like, you know what? We gotta get oh, we gotta get Mac on the field. Hundred <laughs> percent. I hear that. Hundred <laughs> percent. What a what a weirdo. Okay, I love it. Um, yeah, but no, no, sorry. Keep going. Keep going. I I I love that call there in uh, Las Vegas too. Uh, Michael Gallup, I think, is another one who obviously his best days in reception perception were earlier on in his career, you know, of course. But at the same time, there right now, basically any ADP source you look at is going to have Brandon Cooks way ahead of Michael Gallup. And yeah, uh, I, I just don't know if I buy that there's going to be that big of a gap. Um, OK, and uh, look, I, I don't know, because obviously Gallup last year wasn't very good. Uh, he struggled to separate coming off an ACL tear too early. But Gallup in 2019 and 2021, 71.2% .2 success rate versus man, 72% uh, in 2020, 75.5% success rate versus press in 2020. Like if he can get – and he was never – he wasn't a great like zone beat or anything, but that's because he's running those high degree of difficulty X receiver routes. If he can get up back up to that kind of standard, like Dallas really needs that X receiver to step up, and it's going to be Michael Gallup, not Brandon Cooks and not C.D. Lamb, who's going to play more as a slot guy. So I think he's worth kind of considering and – 
the only kind of young guy, exciting guy I have on this list uh, okay. of like forgotten wide receivers is Isaiah Hodgins, who I think people are forgetting how good Hodgins was last year. And like, I love, I, I love Sterling Shepard. I'm glad he's back out there, but right. you know, we'll see how long he can stay healthy. 77.8% success rate versus press uh, for Isaiah Hodgins last year and a solid 76.4% success rate versus man. He's probably their X receiver. I, if I had to guess right now for the New York Giants. And, you know, we know they have a ton of slot guys. They have a ton of flanker potential players. Really the yeah, one guy I think can play X on this offense is Isaiah Hodgins. And and he is, you know, kind of forgotten at this point. And, and last name I'll throw out. Okay. I mentioned Alan, I mentioned Alan Robinson earlier, and I, I just kind of feel like he's going to be a pretty good fit as the slot receiver for the Steelers. <laughs> and, and that's all I'll say. He's free. He's okay. free. You don't, you, right, you he's like goes in round 20. He's free. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. It's true. Uh, three names that I will throw out there. Uh, we talked about one, Marvin Mims. Uh, again, he's got, uh, I, I think the, the depth chart is, is obviously, unfortunately, thinning out in front of him. And even if it wasn't thinned out in front of him, I think with his explosive ability, um, you know, we're talking about a guy who ran a sub four, four, right? So this guy could get out and run. Um, and, and to be honest with you, that's the one area where you look at Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy, these guys don't give you that. They don't give you yeah, that no. explosive downfield, you know, playmaking ability. And by the way, we've highlighted on this very show, Sean Payton loves these speed slot guys, right? So Marvin Mims, who was a highly productive yeah. player in college, explosive athlete. They spent some draft capital on him. I, for the life of me right now, Matt, I cannot figure out why he is going so late. He's going so late in drafts. Uh, we're talking on, you know, four for fours, ADP, 12 team composite. He's going in round 17. Yeah, uh, he's the he's like around ADP 200 overall. I mean, man, that there's some serious value, I think, uh, to be had with Marvin Mims, especially again. If we are sticking to our guns and saying Cortland Sutton ain't that guy anymore, if we're saying that Jerry Judy's got a lot of holes in his game, Marvin Mims could just walk in and just immediately become uh, Russell Wilson's one of his top, you know, target getters there in, in now what is a Sean Payton led offense. So I'm very intrigued with Marvin Mims. Sign me up for his price all day long. Um, a guy that we liked last year and didn't quite come to fruition, but we saw flashes. Alec Pierce there in Indianapolis. Now with Anthony Richardson, he's got this huge arm. Uh, we just made fun of these training camp videos, but man, did you see that training camp video where he's yeah, rolling out and just lobbing one 60 yards downfield to Alec Pierce, baby, let's go. Let's go. That one was exciting. Uh, and that arm talent. That explosiveness from the quarterback position, that's just, they just haven't had that since Andrew Luck. Um, and Alec Pierce, who you and I both love his role in this offense as just a straight up vertical threat, you know, not a, a guy that's really going to sink his hips and stop and come back and, and do those type of things. But you know what? You get him going in a straight line. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy with a 40 inch vertical. So, yes, yeah, sign me up for Alec Pierce. Um, I love these, you know, X receivers that can, you know, do some things yeah. down <laughs> the field. It, this, oh, this guy's this. This is my boy right here. Alec Pierce for sure. By the way, posted a very good 40 time as well. So I'm good. Uh, I'm good with Alec Pierce. Uh, and finally, the last guy. And, and again, another player. I'm not 100 percent sure why he's a forgotten man. But Rashid Shahid. I mean, this guy. I mean, what am I missing here with Rashid Shahid, Matt Harmon? Like, this guy yeah. was an explosive player last year. Every single time he touched the ball, it seemed like he was making house calls, man. Um, he's got a ton of highlights. And again, playing opposite Chris Olave, so you know he's not going to see the strongest coverage. Um, and with a huge upgrade at quarterback, at least we hope, with Derek Carr, I think Shahid's got a real opportunity now. There's no other target getters in this offense. You know, it's Olave and 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 who else? I think it's going to be Shahid will be the clear number two, um, you know, in this op offense opposite of Chris Olave. So those are three guys that I really, really like. I like all three of those guys. And, you know, Marvin Mims, his ADP is going to come up, obviously, with Tim Patrick being out of the mix. Sure. But I, I still think that just like the entire industry assumes that Jerry Judy's just going to like walk into 130 targets and, and maybe he does. Maybe he takes a step as a player, but I just don't think that that's how this is going to go. I really think like Marvin Mims, 
And it's crazy because everybody's excited about rookie receivers. Like everybody's excited about these guys. And and Sean Payton traded up in the second round to get Marvin I Mims, know. bro. Like I they know. want to play, they want to play Marvin Mims, and Mims has a lot of good things in his profile. Like I think he's very T. Y. Hilton esque. So I like him a lot. You know, Alec Pierce definitely. We've talked a lot about the Colts uh, offense and and how we're kind of like sneaky excited about that unit. And mm-hmm. Rashid Shahid, I'll just read a little bit about what I posted hit about him in the in season tracker. Another guy I'd like to get a full profile up on, but I mean Rashid Shahid can play. He checked in with the sixty eight point five percent success rate versus man coverage in this two game sample. He can rip it on nine routes, seventy one point four percent success rate, but showed potential on base routes like the curl, seventy five percent and dig. 71.4%. Needs work against press coverage if he's going to stick long term and be a full field starter. However, the early signs are quite positive on this guy. And I could, uh, he could be a bit more than a speedster. I could see him filling in somewhere on the John Brown axis of wide receivers. And if you know Ooh. anything about reception perception, Ooh. you know I love John Brown. So um, I'm with you. Anytime Matt Harmon comps a player to John Brown, that's the highest honor <laughs> that you can get. It really is. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So no, uh, I'm I'm with it, man. Um, if you're if you're making that like potential John Brown comp, sign me up for Rashidja. I just li- I really liked what he brought to the table uh, last year. Explosive player, uh, and and again with Derek Carr, hopefully we can find a little bit more of that. So there you go. All right, that's your show, man. Um, if you guys are, have stuck with us, that's great, and we appreciate y'all. Uh, hopefully, if it's your first time listening to us, or maybe it's your second or third, you haven't subscribe please subscribe to the podcast as well um and did you guys know did you know matt Harmon has a youtube page uh that is doing quite well uh we release a lot of this content uh that maybe you missed on the podcast we release it again on youtube with more visuals and all those kind of things and so uh, i would strongly encourage you guys to subscribe to matt's youtube page as well and where would we be if we did not subscribe to the website too receptionperception.com. Um, by the way, Matt, how excited are you? I know you were all gassed up when we had uh, Derek Klassen on. We got, a, we got a fresh batch of quarterbacks to be released this week, man. So it's going to be good stuff. Yeah, uh, put it on my list of 1,000 things I need to do. So I have to read <laughs> Derek Klassen's profiles. <laughs> I, yes, I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to read them, though. You know what? The one on Aaron Rodgers, uh, I just got done editing. And uh, let me tell you, very interesting look very interesting look is the one on aaron Rodgers. so uh i would strongly encourage the folks uh to get out there and go read his work all right so there you go uh that's the show reception perception the show another one in the books we're going to catch it again in a couple of days here from matt Harmon. i'm james tell we'll see you